Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things joyous and playful in education. I'm Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and speaker. Today we are chatting on Well Played with a guest that's been on before. Absolutely love talking with Thomas. And we are talking about... Uh, story elements. But before we dive in there, for those people that are new to the well-played community, Thomas, can you give a little brief introduction, what you teach, where you live, uh, maybe a little bit about your game? That would be awesome. Yeah. Hi, I'm Thomas Bernthauser from Germany. Um, I'm teaching German and history at a gymnasium, like maybe a high school. And um, so grades 5 to 12 and um well my my game is mostly a fantasy game so i gamified uh, i started gamifying in 2000 2017 and i'm mostly doing fantasy style games like the like a bit of lord of the rings style nice i have some sci-fi elements but that's i i like it uh i i for one too do kind of uh kind of fantasy mine's sort of historical fiction with with a teacher fantasy i i don't totally overplay like the magic kind of piece but towards the end of the year i sort of ran out of ideas for items <laughs> and so fourth <laughs> quarter they eventually like unlock this ability to do spells but pretty much up to that point it's all realistic things that they can earn in a medieval society yeah. uh so you know this idea of storytelling is a as a tool and uh, adding these story elements, I have definitely seen kind of right away the power of storytelling in gamification because the first thing I did, Thomas, was just rename things, honestly. Like the first thing I did was my, my like first example of gamification was this Greek Olympic game in which nothing was really gamified other than the fact that I put them on teams and it said, your team Athens, your team Sparta. And like they got to draw like a flag for their team, and then I just renamed things. So like a test was a dokimi, which is like the Greek word for challenge. But like that was it. It was just language, a change in language. But even that tiny element of storytelling, even that tiny application of theme to an experience, changed sort of the game for my students. And I know you have been toying with kind of amping that up a little bit in terms of applying some other mechanics to that storytelling. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, um, basically I'm, I'm doing two layers. I have a main story, which is uh, basically my, my center content. And um, I try to put all the content in quests, but I always struggled with, um, like what you could call side quests, but mm -hmm. in, in the the narrative so in the in the stories like um students run through a dungeon and there are all these little encounters that usually happen in dungeons and i always struggle with inventing such a vast amount of of stuff and so i developed a second layer which i call the adventure card layer and um so Actually, students now draw cards. They draw a location, and then uh, the location card tells them to, how to draw um, more cards for creatures and traps and treasure. And then they draw these cards, and they can play a full-grown adventure, but I don't have to invent it. The cards invent it for me. 
And, so, okay. And, now, this being a... Man, this would be awesome to have kind of a nice flow chart with us. But here we are on a podcast, you know, trying to explain with language your system here. But uh, kind of walk us through that a little bit. You said this, so there's a deck that would give me sort of my location inside a challenge or a dungeon or whatever. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Basically, you, you start with um, a magnetic whiteboard. Okay. And you pin those cards on that whiteboard. And the cards being every... cards being locations. Cards being uh, yeah, ba locations. Cards being quest elements. Cards being everything. Okay. In there, so um, students start with a main quest, which is pinned up to the board. It's the first thing they have to enter. The first card they they turn around and see. Okay, this and that happens. Maybe it tells them you need this sheet. Get it from your teacher, or you need this page in your book and is everyone it. doing that that's this is like up on the board i'm a student in your class exactly. all is, of us listening to the beginning. podcast are students in your class and we're starting on card one period one you flip that card and it says like oh we need for this side quest to you know whatever grab this worksheet grab this activity make a map whatever whatever exactly and then they I, I draw simple lines on that whiteboard. Like a tr and, like a tree, like a tech tree, kind of exactly. Like. And and each of those lines leads to another card. And so the can teams we, can decide. We, can we see what those cards are? Uh, at the beginning, you can see those those quest cards. They are open. Okay. So, so students decide so I... which quest to choose, but underneath these cards, there are hidden location cards. And Students only see there is a location behind this quest, but they can't see which location there will be. And so they have to solve the quest to unlock the location. Then the card is turned around, and there are numbers on these cards, and they tell them so many danger cards you have to, to go through. And then they, they draw them from a deck and pin them below that location, and then they play through that adventure by opening one card after the other so maybe they draw an orc and then a box of treasure and then like whatever a trap and all these cards give them certain activities they have to um, to solve and the trick in all this is that they get a pool of dice depending on the strength of their characters to solve this adventure and if they find that they don't have enough dice, they can always leave the adventure, like turn around in a dungeon and go away. But now the dungeon is open and each other group could walk in there and grab the final treasure they have already worked for. So students are very excited to go and prepare for these adventures. They, they need equipment, they need to level up their characters. And to do that, they need to solve my quests, which is solve my content, learn the stuff, do the activities in class they had to do. Which is separate from this branching architecture adventure. So like that, that those are not connected. So for me to get more items and level up my character, I do that through your content, through your coursework. Then I turn to the game and say, I'm willing to do this quest to, to go over here on this branching architecture. How and not exactly because the those those the content is the what I call the quests. 
So you say, I want to solve the quest of the, the, the lost pirate. And this is like, um, find the, the, the poem to that pirate and analyze it or whatever. And you do that. And then you can, you get a reward, you get experience points, you get gold for that quest. Mm -hmm. And with that, you can prepare for entering that location. You can say, I don't want to enter the location now. I want to solve more quests to be better prepared and then enter the location. So they can always, the, the, all those cards, all the content is on that magnetic whiteboard and they can choose to solve as many quests as they want. And they can always turn back and solve more quests, like do more work. Um, and there are some, some side ways to earn even more money. Nice. Like so if I, if I understand correctly here, let's see if I can say it back here. We got... I'm just going to make a light example. We have a starting spot that really starts the story, right? That, yeah. that here we are in this particular unit. We got this problem to solve, right? But maybe that starting exactly. location is a light quest, which you're using that term to mean actual content work they have to do, coursework they have to do. Yeah. Correct? Right. Then from that, I'm just going to make an easy, but you could make this as complicated as you want there are, let's say, three spots they could go from that one spot. Yeah. And we can see those three spots. So it may say, and you're gonna, you, you said these are quests, so these are what they, this is your actual content. So it might be like, read this section and write a good summary. Might be like you said, learn how to write a haiku and give me your example of a haiku. You know, whatever your content is, you have three of these content specific things. Yeah. I, let's say, do the first one. I read chapter mm -hmm. three and write you an awesome summary. And Correct. based on that, you're like, oh, your character now gets this shield or you get this XP to level up your character. Here's an awesome sword, whatever your game gives. But below mm -hmm. this quest one, there's another line that would be like kind of me doing the boss battle or something like me, like, oof, we're going to lay out because you said on the, on the quest, on the summary quest, it says four, and that means you're going to lay out four cards from this other deck that build out that experience in a random sort of way. Yeah, correct. And then if I chose to progress, I'm now battling those four cards that come out. Exactly. All right, so now if I... But at any, at any point, if we rewind a little bit, I finished quest one, I wrote you the summary. But before yeah. you flip out those cards, I say, hey, 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 Thomas, I, I want to I go over to one of these other quests. I want to get some more armor and a few more things. That's okay? Like, you, you, you just don't flip the cards then? Yeah, of course. You could always do as many quests as you want. There's even a side quest layer I introduced because I have some very quick students who are very anxious to enter those locations. And there's a side quest I call The Cave. Nice. And they enter the cave and they go there and do some dangerous stuff, whatever you do in caves. So there's <laughs> just more content, more and more content. And I have students who are calling me or doing me, giving me um, a chat messages on, on Sunday evenings. Um, can you give me more of that? I need more gold. And um, now, well, okay, so I, let's I... let's peel that back a little bit. So what are the things they need? Like, what are your sort of currencies? So in my game, I have battle points and XP and gold. Those are my currencies. Uh, you know, you said 
they're 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 doing a little meta game. They're thinking through the game and saying, "Well, I want to go and attack that assignment one boss or whatever, but I don't feel ready." What's telling them they don't feel ready? Like they're looking at their armor, their weapons, their gold. Like what? There's, well, I have basically two currencies in the game. One is gold, mm-hmm. and one is XP. So, with that experience they can level up their their character skills for example there are traps that say if you have a climbing skill of whatever four then you can climb over that obstacle if you don't have you have to turn around or you have to endure a little damage so the the health of the characters will drop and uh, there's there's gold to to buy equipment and um but there is a little connection between XP and gold because you have level one equipment, which everybody can buy. Mm-hmm. And then there's higher graded equipment. So like, I want that magic flame sword of killing everything. Well, but you have to be level 10 to, to buy it. Yeah. And therefore, it's, it's another goal. You, you see this always hanging in classroom. There's this little store and you see this, this two-handed sword of flames of whatever. And you know... If I want that sword, and I want that sword, then I have to go and, and quest as long as I need to get to level 10 to buy this thing. I like and this. It's like hanging a carrot in front of their nose, and they're running towards it. This is awesome. So thank you for kind of breaking that down. I think that that's helpful. So then upgrading like the XP gives them access to more and more like helpful products. So like... I'm just making this up on the spot, but like maybe they have a short rope that could get them over like climbing wall level one in the deck, but like somebody else got the super long rope that can get all the way up to like climbing wall four, you know, but like to buy that, like you had to be level three, like that, that climbing ropes, uh, a higher level of the shop that you don't have access to. That's awesome. I dig that. And then that, that produces a whole richness that's actually not too complex. You can like build in story elements of like a wall, uh, like like you said, that they'd have to climb up, or uh, a really dark space like the cave that maybe they would need to have like the candle or the lantern or whatever, you know. So you can really start to have these thematic story elements that are really just items and power ups they need. But you never know what that deck is gonna spit out at you, right? Because it's it's one deck of traps and treasures, right? Is what I was gathering. And, yeah, this, this is basically the, there's just one 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 deck. There's one deck uh, with locations and one deck with traps and treasures. And so, and, uh, if I'm like, all right, Thomas, I am ready to go attack that first one I was at. Can I come back to that at any time, or do I have to do another quest to kind of like move my character back over there? Well, as soon as you have unlocked that location for for your team, you can go there anytime. And so do you, you just, just organization-wise, do you just document, like, all right, team team three can go to location one, or they can go to location two because they've done that as well? Yeah, well, I have an, an Excel sheet where I uh, count all their XP and gold, and, and so I just can see, okay, they, they already got the XP, so they must have shown me some time. Oh, I see what you're saying. You cross-check, like, they have done quest one because I have a score in quest one. Yeah. So that's easy. That's I get what you're saying. So you don't stuff. even need the extra check that they've done. It's just already there because of the XP. Smart, yeah. clean, 
I got it. Now, okay, so going back to the story here, we go, I say, all right, I'm ready to do that location because I think I bought enough equipment. I think I've leveled up my character skills enough. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, I want to like go in there. If I understand you correct, that location of write the summary, whatever we call that, the library. You were at the library and you had to write yeah. the summary. It has a number four on it, which means we're going to go to that traps and treasure deck, mix it up a little bit, and flip out four cards and put them on the pin board up there. Yeah. And do I have to defeat them in like flipped order, or do you just lay out four cards and I can defeat any four? No, you, you draw them like there's four cards, and you draw those four cards, but you don't turn them. You don't know what's coming. You just put them on the boards, okay. backside up, one under the other. And then you go step by step by step. So you can be lucky. You can draw four treasures and tup, 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 one walk nice. through. You can draw four monsters and have to fight all of them. And, and that's a bit of the trick with um, the, the option to turn around. You could turn around anytime. If you say, okay, I'm, I found I'm not ready, you could turn around and leave. And you then leave. But you never the... know what's under the next card. Maybe you're leaving the treasure of treasures behind. Do the and so it, it encourages risk taking. You you take a risk to go through all this. I and absolutely... that levels the excitement. I, I love it. I love it. A few more practical things I wanna pick your brain on here. This sounds fantastic, Thomas. Like I, I am definitely gonna figure out a way to add some elements of this into my game. Uh Okay, so let's play that out. You flipped out four cards. My first one was just like you gained 50 gold. Awesome. You just go over to your spreadsheet, add 50 gold for me or my team or whatever. Next card is a bad guy. What does that look like? Well, a bad guy would be um, a card. Like it, it tells you, gives you a picture of that bad guy. Then there's the name of that whatever like maybe you you meet an orc yep and then um you have uh, a strength value for that uh, that uh, tells you how many dice he will throw and um each of those bad guys has uh, a special ability so the first thing you do is you roll a d6 to see if he can activate his special ability. So this is like I have one here, like um, he can destroy all the armor in your in your group on a three plus. So if you you roll the d6 and if you roll a one, then he activates his skill and you roll for each and every armor in your group if it gets destroyed or not. After that's done, he has this one has three so he gets three dice the team has a pool of dice depending on the strength of each of those characters and now they decide how many dice they want to use against this enemy so let's say they have 12 dice they can say okay he gets three we use four and is it just straight like we're just going to roll and whoever gets the higher in total or yeah it's it's just because i found that that um Battles last very long. You, in, in your average role-playing game, a battle can last over an hour. I don't have that time in my lessons. None of us do. That's why I'm 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 picking your brain. This seems genius. So, and and so the enemy gets three dice. They choose how much dice they want to use. 
Each side gets one roll and it's done. The side who gets the higher result in total is the winner. But I got a follow-up question because I heard you stress they have a pool of dice. So if yep. we did that on the second card, we've committed four dice. Now do we only have eight more dice for the rest of this battle? Correct. Oh, I for like this. Those, all those cards. I like this. So then we flip over the third card. Oh, we lucked out. It's another treasure. But then we flip out and it's like some super dragon that gets six dice. It's yep. And like and all of our from. sixes turns into ones as well. Like we're like, oh no. Yep. This that is going to hurt. totally happen. <laughs> and now, okay, this is my follow-up question. You said people can exit. Can they only exit... Yeah before flipping the next card kind of like do you want to risk flipping that card or can we flip and see it is a dragon i'm out no 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 if you flip a card you play it oh <laughs> i love this i love 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 this okay so we flip it over because we so wait so there is this like m magical moment of like all right we already got two treasure cards we defeated the orc do we risk flipping that other card guys like and at this moment, we could say we're turning around, mm -hmm. which basically just means we're done. But we, you leave that fourth card there. Now, here's a follow-up question for you. Group two finishes their work, and they're like, we also want to play, and we also did the library. Do you flip out four new cards for, the, for group two? Nope. Group two could now enter the half-empty library and steal that last card. So when, when, let's, okay, let's go back to my group, my group that finished three of them, we pressed on, we did the dragon card, and we won. Is the library done, and so no one else can do the library because we've beat those four cards? Well, for your group it is, but now I will remove the location card and put a hidden new location card there for each new team to come. So there will be just another adventure. This what if all... what if I was a student in your class and I had already started working on reading chapter three and writing my summary, but then it turns out I come to class tomorrow and group one came to you right away and said, hey, teacher, teacher, I want to like do room, the room one and that you started doing room one with them and I'm sitting here with my room one homework and it's like I, I wanted to do room one. This is not a problem because the quest that allowed me to enter that location is the same it's only a different location so now it's not so i i did the quest for the library but um then i turned around that location card and it said maybe a cave or a well i have abandoned castle or whatever and so that's what that group actually played through so now i've finished that library quest and for me there will be a completely new adventure with a new location New enemies, new treasure, new but, traps. But same task. Same task. Got it. So is now now I'm a little confused. Is there going back to the branching architecture? We have kind of the the story card at the top. Then there was like three locations that I was I was defining the location, saying that you had to read chapter three and write the summary. Is uh, there... okay, Mel? Maybe that was the, the point. No, the the location. The, the quest, that's that's the, the term I use. The quest mm -hmm. is actually what's telling you what, what assignments you have to complete. And that's like, and then the, that's part of my three branching architecture. So it's 
summary of chapter three, write the haiku, whatever, make a TV commercial of something. Exactly. So, and that is the same for each group and it doesn't change. Okay. Throughout the whole unit. What changes is the adventure that lies behind it. So underneath these cards, there comes the location and then the adventure we just talked about. And so underneath that, is it hidden? Like I, I hand in the quest, I finish quest one, you now flip over that it is the abandoned castle. It's yeah. a level four. Do you want to progress team one? And exactly. we, we may say, oh, I need more gold. I need more yeah. stuff. We're not going to do this. And that's where they can come back three days later if they want and say, let's do this. And at yeah. that point, you flip it over for our group, the next four cards. We win, we lose, whatever. And then for the next, if we won, you would remove that whole series, both the abandoned castle and the four cards that we played through, plop another one. Now the risk here, and I love this, I think, if I'm understanding this correct, the next location card that may go there for the group that also wants to do quest one may end up being a higher or lower number in terms of the quest they face. That's correct. I love it. I love it. This is genius. Basically, you could, one group uh, does the hidden pirate quest, like writing that haiku, and gets the abandoned castle, plays it through, and the next group finds the tavern, who's which is a location that just gives you a big bonus on everything. And they are just, yeah! <laughs> and the other group had to fight through it. And this is very random, but you, you never know. And all, the kids don't oh, know what location cards are in the deck. They don't know the cards. They just know that there are locations and that there are things happening. For example, I have um, not only monsters, but there are mercenaries running around. And those mercenaries, they can pay them. They are the, have two kinds of mercenaries, actually. But but the, the easy part is you they are just cards. You, you flip a card and it says, okay, here's a mercenary. If you pay him like 400 gold, then he comes with you and adds his strength to your pool, like a refreshment in midway. But there are some of those that require certain items. So, for example, there is in the shop, there is a mug of ale, which is nothing. It gives two health points if you use it, but it's worth nothing and it's quite expensive. But if you have that mug of ale with you, there is a dwarven warrior and he's hidden in one of those dungeons. And if you meet him, he's a very, very, very strong ally, but he won't take gold. He wants a mug of ale. Nice. So you have to plan what do you buy, what do you take into the adventure. And for and, and another adventure, it says to move on, you need a candle. And everyone comes equipped with, with two bladed axes and, and heavy swords and heavy armor. And then they are like, um, I don't do have, a have a candle. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So some of these locations, actually, that you just kind of told us another great little element. So you, I t- hand in assignment one, per my example. We flip location. It is the abandoned castle. It's got a number four, so I know I'm going to battle four cards from the treasure slash, slash yeah. like, you know, tricky, risky guys. But it might also have written on it, like, 
a requirement or two. So maybe like we can't even move forward no matter what because it's like a four and the candle and we look around, hey, do you have a candle? Do you have a candle? Like we don't have a candle. Yep. So now we have to either go to the shop and see, spend some of our cash to buy a candle so that we can do this or we don't have enough gold. We see the candle at 60 bucks. We don't have 60 bucks. So, okay, go do another thing so that we gain more XP, more gold. This is yep. genius. Sheer genius, my friend. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so a few things. I gotta, you know, we're we're actually almost out of time already. Uh, so first thing I gotta say, are you willing to come back? Because I feel like we gotta hear a little more about the character development because that's a huge piece of this storytelling element. Yeah, sure. sure. Like, all right. Anytime. So we so we got you locked in. I like it. I dig it. Uh, okay, so. That's good. Uh, I think this storytelling element is super awesome because it sounds like it's something a teacher could sit down and kind of do over a long weekend and develop at least the beginnings of it, put some of it in play, see how they all work, and then all of a sudden start adding more locations and more items and more bad guys, and you just make that deck richer yep. and richer. Absolutely. And there's one thing, one layer I added, which is... Um, not yet rolled out just due to the number of cards I'd need for that because those cards, if they ha they can collect them, not yet because I only have about 170 cards printed already. It takes a lot of time to print them and cut them and, and laminate them. Um, but uh, actually these cards are designed as some kind of a trading card game. So um, at a later point in that term, students will be able to collect cards they defeated and then they can use them in a trading card game to battle each other. So this is like um, makes it even more interesting to to battle the hard enemies. But because if you can defeat the real hard enemies, then you get the real good cards for your deck, like in these uh, you know Magic the Gathering games or something. What I also really like is that the the game that you're having them play to like go through these locations is truly just a game. I mean, like you're not having them answer like review questions or whatever. This is like, you've done all the hard work. Now let's see how that plays out in our game world and just commit some of the pool of dice that you have to this monster, to that monster. Did you buy the right stuff? Oh, you didn't. Uh, so now, like you got to turn back. Is there some enemies that are like that? That like you flip over a guy and he gets three dice, but it also is like he only gets hurt by, you know, fire. Does anybody have fire arrows? Oh, no one has fire arrows. Literally, we cannot yeah. progress in this dungeon. Uh, for example, we have uh, some groups who are relying on, on archers. And uh, that's good as long as you don't meet skeletons. As soon as you meet a skeleton, your archers are worthless because skeletons are immune to arrows. Yeah. For and example. Then, or then, have... but, that, but then does that mean, like, literally if all we had was archers, we'd have to stop the quest at that point? Well, at least you have to find a knife to, to, to hurt that. <laughs> right, but I'm saying, like, we would stop and then have to go back to the shop, you know, maybe do another quest yeah. to get a knife or a sword. But exactly. in that in that time... Some other group could be like, well, we've already done that assignment and we already have a sword. 
Let's, yep. let's go in there. That might happen. And this is uh, where you see students really, they, they come together and they, they plan, okay, you, you are the archers and, and do we have a mage who can throw a fireball or something like that? And do we maybe have a knight? We need a tank, like like in this, this like World of Warcraft or something. They're really planning their groups and uh, uh, we, we had this year uh, a new student coming to to our class and um, he, he wasn't even through the door. The first question they asked him, you want to be a dwarf or you want to be a barbarian? <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Uh, well, Thomas, we are definitely out of time. So we're going to do our uh, reflection time quote here. This one comes from Robert McKee, and I think it's a good one for today's chat. It is, storytelling is the most powerful way to put ideas into the world. Absolutely. That's that's what I, I, when I teach uh, speeches in in grade 12 about that, then I always tell them, start with a story. If you have an idea, you need a story. People hear story. People, humans are telling stories for centuries now. For I think uh, since we developed language, we're telling stories because we don't just get the information, but we connect emotionally, and that's where where a new idea really comes a living thing. If you can see it in a story, if you can see how it acts in a story, how it develops in a story, then you can imagine how it would in your own life. And this is where you really grab the idea. And, and, I love it. And yeah. I couldn't agree more. The, the power of a story is huge. I think for me, I'm going to connect it again just to gamification. Even all the way back to that first year story I told you. Looking back, I mean, it was horribly like not an interesting game. It was like, it was terrible <laughs> in terms of like storytelling all i did was apply a few different words and then use those words like you ready for your dokimi like and they were all like yeah and like you used their (laughs) city state name so instead of saying group one you go group two you go you know it's like no sparta it's your turn but that was it i mean but those elements of a story like they connect to people it resonates with them they became spartans they became athenians right and they were about to go do this like massive challenge called the dokimi like that shifted in their mind what they were doing from just being a sixth grade social studies student who was just taking a quiz right like now this quiz became something bigger because of language and because of language it became a story and i i think it's a, it's a powerful way to put ideas out in the world, and it's a powerful way, I think, to capture the intention and the imagination of, well, anybody, but in our case, our students. Yeah. I think that's that's it. That's huge. All right, so, Thomas, we have you on the hook for coming back. Absolutely. All right, you heard it here. Like, it's a must. He must come back because I want to know more about these characters, ways to like use this this character. So these are things we're going to talk about next next time. You got this, Thomas? We're we're going to talk about your characters, how they pick them, how they level them up, how many categories you have, how do you keep track of all this stuff, uh, and then you know some of the items that can play into that. Like you said, the rope, the candle, these kind of things. I want I want to hear it all. I want to I want to get inside your head, inside your classroom for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today, Thomas. 
Thank you. All right. Everyone else, thank you so much for making Well Played another stop on your week. Again, you can catch this, uh, the video version of this on YouTube. So if you go to my YouTube channel, you can check that out. Uh, As always, I hope you guys have a good, good week and that you guys play on. 